Improve it, peeps. Welcome to today's show. It is a juicy, tangible, get out your notebook and pen type show. I'm talking about we're giving you the goods. If you are a person who is switching from a peer individual contributor type role to a manager or leader, stay tuned. Ramona Shaw is going to blow your mind. So here's how Ramona Shaw is improving it. Studies have found that 40 to 60% of high-performing employees fail or underperform when appointed as managers within their first two years on the job. Such situations are costly for both the managers who fear demotions or lose out on salary increases and promotions, as well as the organizations that lose talent and productivity. Now, this program that Ramona has created is called the Leadership Accelerator. It's a 12-week program that coaches first-time managers to become confident and competent leaders who deliver results and who people love to work with. Through this program, she's helped hundreds of new managers at startups and leading companies, including Google, Twitch, Asana, one of my favorite companies, Lionsgate, and Dropbox, successfully transition into leadership roles. Now, before becoming a leadership coach, Ramona worked at Partners Group, a global private markets firm with $127 billion, I said billion, in assets under management and over 1,500 professionals across 20 offices worldwide. Now, at this firm, Ramona moved from a junior financial analyst to vice president in under six years. That's crazy. So she's got the leadership to back it up. And she's going to talk about how she transitioned from this role into her job now as leadership coach on the show. You are going to learn so much. Before we dive into just a high-level overview, I want to remind you, if you have not downloaded your hybrid hype guide, if you're leading a hybrid team, you want to get some tangible tips and tricks, click on the link in the show notes. It is a PDF with about seven pages of tips for how to lead your team in this hybrid environment. Now, back to what you're going to hear from Ramona. We're going to talk about, number one, what made her want to become a leadership coach. What is the single biggest mistake for first-time managers? Some of the key leadership habits that new managers can start implementing to become more confident leaders. And then she's going to break down five easy steps for you to go from peer to manager. And those steps are super, super tangible. So get your notebook, get your pens. Let's improve it with Ramona Shaw. Are you a leader or change maker inside of your business, organization, or corporation? Are you looking for new, innovative ways to drive morale through the roof? Are you looking for fun and exciting icebreakers, team building exercises, and activities that will foster team growth, friendships, loyalty, and completely transform your organization from the inside out? Have you been searching for a fun and unique way to create change instead of this? same old dry, boring leadership books and icebreakers that aren't actually working. Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, fail fluencer, and professional zombie who is ready to help you improve it. My mission in life 
is to help you develop teams and leaders through play, improv, and experiential learning. In this podcast, we will deep dive into professional development, team building, effective communication, networking, presentation skills, leadership training, how to think more quickly on your feet, and everything in between. We have helped everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small mom and pop shops transform their business, their leadership, and their people through play. So grab your chicken hat. We are about to have some fun. Welcome to Improve It, the podcast. Ramona. Sometimes I sing you into the show. I'm so happy to have you on the Improve It podcast. Welcome, Ramona. Thank you for having me. I'm going to spare you with my singing. (laughs) Listen, I know I should not do it. People are probably like, I'm turning this off right now. Um, And also, I'm only on my first cup of coffee. So like, you know, we this is this is early for you. You're early right now. Yeah, 7 a.m. I'm like halfway into my first cup. So okay, we'll do it. I think we're good to go. You're, yeah. Okay, they'll take a sip. This is for the Improve It piece. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I have a San Francisco cup too. Isn't that fun? Oh, that is yeah. because you're in the Bay Area. I love that. Okay. Well, I like to let our audience get to know the Ramona behind the bio. So this is a fun little game called Five Facts. Super easy. I'm going to do a little ditty. More sinking. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Okay, so it's going to go like this. Five Facts. Five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts. And then I want you to tell the Improve It peeps five things about you that we couldn't find in your bio, your LinkedIn profile, your book. What are five hidden facts about Ramona that we need to know? Okay. Okay. Let's try. Okay. Here's one. So the one I used, I was, not I used to, I was at one point a finger, a hand model. What? Right? That is like a dream I had in childhood. And then I had like a weird scar on my hand. Okay, two, two. <laughs> I used to be a synchronized swimmer. What? And I think it's the most amazing sport ever. <gasps> yeah, I think it's that is the best awesome. thing ever by far. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, three. Three. Um, which you also can see, I don't know if you can see that I have three kids. And then I decided um, I should probably get a puppy too, because why not? <gasps> oh my, okay. We're the more the merrier. Yeah. Yes. Okay, four. <laughs> uh four would be oh see now we're getting into this um i haven't eaten meat since age 12 wow okay we're coming back we're coming back and number five um and number five is probably the coolest experience i've ever had was swimming with a family of dolphins that just came by on a surprise visit while scuba diving. Stop it now. Okay, these are facts that I feel like we needed to know. <laughs> okay, I have some. I have a question. What kind of dog? What kind of puppy? I have a Cavapoo, which is a King Charles oh. Cavalier poodle mix. They're the best. Yes. Yeah. My toy poodle is right outside this door. That's the best. Cavapoos are so cute. Eh, they're the best. Yeah. White. Is it white and brown? Uh, it was really kind of orangey brown, um, like the stark. Or they call them red, actually. I should know the lingo. Uh, it, she's turning so a little lighter. She's turning beige. Mm. Yeah. What's her name? Her name is Coco. 
cocoa. Yeah. Okay. We needed like that. chocolate and marshmallow. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and also you're a synchronized swimmer, which, I mean, is amazing. You swam with dolphins. These are facts that we really needed. And you have three children, which is, the I once I, you were on my radar, like you said, we, you and I were both researching each other because you're on our show. I'm coming on your show. And I was like, God, she does it all. And now you have three kids and a dog. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All the things, all of the things. So, um, I'm glad we got to know these bits of information. Let's start today's show with an intention. What is one word that you want to get out of today's show? And we're talking all about going from peer to manager and five easy steps. What's one word you want to get out of today's show? Yeah, I love it to be thought provoking oh. like for both of us, but also for the listeners. Yeah. Yes, I love that. It's a hyphenated word, and we're going to take the one word. I love that. <laughs> I love it, Ramona. Okay, let me ask Tweak you this. Rose. Tweak the rose. Tweak the rose. the rose. Okay. Have you ever done, let me ask you this. This is very important. Have you ever done improv or used it in any of your coaching? And if not, that's totally okay. But have you ever tried it? So scared by it. The oh. idea, like, yeah, when, when you know, I was researching you. I was like, yeah, that's the thing that I'm most afraid of, which is probably the thing I should do. Oh. I love that. So truth be told, I was also afraid of it because I grew up. So we were chatting before the show. This is so perfect because you and I are both a type three Enneagram, right? Where yeah. our, our Enneagram <laughs> is a three. And like, you know, we want to be achievers. We want to be in control. And <laughs> I was always growing up with a script and I danced and I sang and I had all by sing. I mean, like, you know, in show choir. I was really there for the jazz hands. But like I was, you know, always with a script. And then the moment I started doing improv, it was the most terrifying thing. And it was exposure therapy. Exactly. I just kept going back and going back. And now clearly my life's calling it. a do it. Yes. But I'm it's okay that you have not because I just always like to ask that question because we'll throw it in a little bit today as yeah. we go. What it's really interesting is the what you said about not wanting to lose control or or fail in in especially in front of a, an audience. I think if you ask me do you want to skydive or improv? I skydive. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like I jump out of that airplane many times. Cuz uh, you know, I you know, it's nothing to I just have to like jump and, be, and land. That's that's it. <laughs> It's so true. And I will tell you, I, I went skydiving on my husband's 30th birthday. That's a one and done situation for me. But you're right. There's like a there's like an immediate gratifying result. And that's interesting because improv, there is not the immediate gratification. No, there isn't. Very interesting. And it seems very unpredictable. Yeah. Oh. Skydive is predictable. That is bad. <laughs> down. That is a fact and something that I'm putting in the hopper to marinate on. I'm going to put some, <laughs> put that in the fridge in a plastic bag. Oh, also you don't, you haven't eaten meat since you were 12. Yeah. And are you, a, do you eat fish? Are you a pescatarian? Or I'm, just a t I'm a pescatarian. Yeah. Meat? Chicken, chicken counts as, chicken counts as meat though, in my eyes. Okay. Me People too. always say like, oh, no worries. I got chicken for you. I'm like, no, no, meat. That's yes. meat. <laughs> I, for, for 2007 is the last time I had like a full meat, anything, but I don't like chicken either. That Ramona, I feel like we were destined to be to meet, podcast right. sisters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is supposed to happen. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about this. What you have a fascinating career. As I was researching you, I found just so many 
helpful, insightful tips, the intangible things that you give the people that you coach, what made you want to become a leadership coach and a strategist? What what brought you to this line of work? Well, I think that there was always this threat throughout my life that I was really curious about people um, in general. I love like going into other people's homes and looking what how they do life and listening to life stories and those things just always fascinated me. But then I also had have an analytical brain. So then my, you know, I was born and raised in Switzerland and analytical brain, good with math, you go study finance. Yeah. <laughs> so <you're> like, why <laughs> not? There's a lot of job opportunities in the banking sector in Switzerland. Um, so I did, I did study finance, um, but always had this sort of personal development interest. I was always this parallel line, but it was more of a personal hobby. And then my job was numbers. Um, and then I got into the situation where I was uh, assigned to become a team lead for the peers that I, I was working with. And that was a really interesting experience for me to go through. And I realized, you know, I did not have a whole lot of self-awareness at that point. So there's a lot of things I did not realize. But what I realized for sure is this is not really working well. And I'm not enjoying this. And I don't think my direct reports are enjoying it either. So we were delivering results. We were sort of like on track. There wasn't a performance issue. But, yeah, you know, when you get that hunch of like, oh, this could be better. And I got that and um, also felt like I was always working and felt frustrated a lot of things. And um, then I hired my own coach and I realized, oh my gosh, so much I didn't know and so much I didn't see. And um, my own awareness kind of took a whole new level, uh, reached a whole new level. And I found it so fascinating and I could not get over it. And I started reading about leadership development and I started connecting the dots from personal personal development. <laughs> like, oh, same thing is true because people are people, whether they are in our personal lives, whether it's about us as a human on a Sunday, it's very, the, the patterns are the same uh, as, uh, as they are when we when we walk into the office, yeah. <laughs> or when we open the laptop at home. Exactly. It's the same things. And that also reignited my interest about humans. And I realized at that point, you know, numbers are fine and they're great. And I love that analytical side. But really my calling, my profession, the thing that I love to do is helping people grow. Aww. Yeah, which I think is so fascinating that I have a job where I can be curious all day and help people have new thoughts and new ideas. And then I think what you were referring to the, to the tools and the kit and all that, I think a big part of what I see as, as my um, value add in this space is I want to turn knowledge into action. So where I feel a bit of like, I'm being the translator from this is the knowledge, common sense, we know it, we've read it, but it's not happening. So how do we turn what we know into what we do, what we do day in and day out? So the actions, the thoughts, the behaviors, the words and all that. I love that. That in itself is so important because as a, we're lifelong learners, as Enneagram threes, you know, and it's really impactful when you see the aha moment. And I love that that you saw I can have that impact in this professional growth, personal growth space. And numbers are great to have because you need to know to how to do the numbers to run the business. Yeah, that's helping. <laughs> yes. I, I'm like, hey, Ramona, we're going to need to call you in here someday. Uh, no, but I love that you have both. And I love that this 
path led you to where you are now and that you love to give tangible tips. That is so, to me, the most impactful thing about the work that we do is put it into action, put step-by-step integration in place so that we can talk about it all day long, but unless we're taking the steps to get there, it's not going to happen. So I'm so happy to have you on the show because we have a lot of people who listen who are first-time managers and are stepping into this leadership role. It's scary. They, they're going from a peer to a manager. And sometimes that happens within the same organization. And they've been in their job for a while. And, you know, they're like, well, now, guess what, friend Susie? I'm now your leader. And I think that can be really hard and confusing for somebody. So let me ask this. What would you say the single biggest mistake is for a first-time manager? What are some of the mistakes that you see off the off the bat? Well, I'm going to pick right up where, where you went with this because one of just right in being really tactical, right when this happens. So when you're transitioning from being a peer and a friend to now being, a, I'm going to call it a boss, not in a negative sense, but now you are someone's manager um, and that relationship changes naturally. And the biggest mistake that you could make right then and there is not to talk about it. This is the elephant in the room. And it's uncomfortable. And both parties are, it's awkward for both people. But you have to talk about it. So having an open conversation will set this up so much easier and create a sense of trust, but also an open dialogue. And you're sharing, hey, look, this is a little bit uncomfortable for me, or this is maybe a little awkward. And yes, that relationship may change in certain ways, because now I have to do things that are part of my job that weren't before. And you may have needs in terms of what you require from your manager that you're now looking to me to uh, meet, and we'll have to figure this out. And it might get awkward at times. The one thing that's most important is that two of us can come together and that we can talk about the things that are, are working or aren't working even more so. And um, I always want to hear how you're doing and how I can support you better or things that may be getting in the way of you feeling engaged, motivated, and successful at work. And that kind of dialogue is the first thing to do right in that transition. I love that. Can I get really super tactical with you? How? should they set that conversation up? Like, let's say, you know, I found out I'm the leader and my best friend, Susan, I'm calling her Susan. Uh, she she and I have been friends, but now I know I'm stepping into this role. What's the best way to approach Susan? Is to say, hey, Susan, can we have, if, yeah, can we have a quick chat? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go get coffee? This doesn't even have to be a very intimate, formal space. Um, or just, can we jump on a call, right? If you're working virtually, it's as easy as that. Make it casual, informal. We're not all of a sudden trying to be all a different person, right? That's not going to work. And it's going to feel weird, even more so. But then again, embrace that it's just awkward. It's not, you're not doing anything wrong. Your employee's not doing anything wrong. It's just the situation transitioning from a peer into a manager role, redefining that relationship is a little awkward. So don't feel like anything went wrong if that's what you're experiencing. Yeah, I love that. And that's really, that's really great advice too. Cause I think sometimes I'm just going to speak for myself. Sometimes when we get, when we gain 
an authoritative role or we step into this new role, we have evolved as people and it takes other people time to catch up to that evolution. And that's okay. That's, it's not your fault. And I have a hard time with that myself. I think that's really great advice because you are stepping into that role because you deserve it. And you're stepping into that role because you have taken the steps to get there. And if somebody else isn't caught up to that mindset yet, it's not your problem. Just keep moving forward. I love that, Ramona. Okay, so, oh wait, anything you want to add there? (laughs) I always could. I always could. But I guess the, the one thing that just came up for me was this idea what you just said about letting someone else go through their journey of acceptance, <laughs> grief and acceptance, right? And all that. The same is true when it, when it, is, when it comes to the situation where you have to get feedback. Um, a lot of things, and this is now maybe one of those mistakes that, we, that you asked me about. One of the mistakes is that w- there's a mismatch or a lack of balance between wanting to be a friend and being liked versus wanting to be a manager and being respected. So yeah, new managers have a harder time generally going forth and back and trying to figure out what's the right approach. They don't want to be pushy. They don't want to be bossy. So then they lean into that friend sphere and they aim to be liked. But that is going to get in the way of them giving feedback when feedback is called for or being really explicit or direct or also challenge them in a way that may feel a little uncomfortable to the employee, but it's for their best interest. As a person who wants to be liked and wants to be a friend, that's going to be really hard. So one of those big shifts, and I talk about this a lot with moving into a leadership role for the first time, is probably one of their biggest shifts you make in your career because not just the responsibility is different, but it's such a change in your mindset and your attitude. And for many people, a change in their identity and how who they are as employees of an organization. It's like they're jumping from one like water bowl into the other water bowl, moving from an icy, you know, box into that leadership box. And that's a big shift. Um, we'll talk more about some of the mistakes that people make where they're, they're in their manager role, but still swimming in the wrong box right over here. And that can get that down the road can lead to a lot of conflict or disappointment, frustration, uh, retention issues and so forth. But I think where I was going with this is when we're in that feedback situation, we want to be liked, we're going to sugarcoat, we're not going to be specific or even avoid the whole difficult conversation overall. And we probably are not going to be as explicit and direct in terms of expectations and accountability as we need to. So understanding that, okay, so this is now shifting. I'm less, it's less about being liked and it's more about being respected. As a manager, yes, we try to have both. That's important. But when it comes down to what to prioritize, lean into being respected as the manager who fulfills the role of the manager, which is being direct and clear. And then someone else may feel disappointed or sad or frustrated or upset with a decision that you had to make. And that is okay. As long as you feel that you did the best for the team or for what the situation called for, and you're doing the best and communicating it in an effective way, being compassionate, and then letting the other person have their experience. And the more that we can let that go and make it less about us and more about them, the more compassionate we can be. Mm. It's not so much me, me, me. Yeah. And a lot more about, huh? Okay, this is what's happening. How can I support them? Ramona. You are spitting some truths today. 
you know who needed to hear this? Me. Um, <laughs> and me. Yeah. And me. I'm like, yes. Uh, and I hope you too. Improve it, people. Yeah. I hope you too. That is awesome. And, you know, I heard this. Um, okay. I did not come up with this, but I heard this from one of my Peloton instructors recently. And she said, <laughs> so this is, you know, gold. Uh, she said, validation is for parking. Ha. Huh. And I said, I said, yes. We'll write that one down. <laughs> so good. But that's, that's so true because as a leader, recovering people pleaser, all the things, I think that the the first thing is I want them to like me. I want them to like me. And I really have, I've had to stretch the muscles of leadership as I've grown in my career too, because it is hard to go from appear to a leader and it takes a lot of shifting of your mindset first in order for other people to shift theirs. So I love what you said about that. That's so true. Now, I want to say, because this is, is also hand in hand with what we're talking about, what are some habits? And like we were talking before uh, we hit record to you're an early riser, you're, that's your circadian rhythm. And so I know you've got some great habits. What are some key leadership habits that new managers can start implementing to become more confident in their leadership role? Yeah. Um, so I, actually, I'm going to take a quick step back because I one of the things that I talk about and I help my clients with is, a, or I applied this APS method. And APS stands for awareness. So building self-awareness and awareness of others. P stands for developing your leadership principles, like the philosophy around how you want to lead. And S actually stands for a leadership system. And the system is all the habits and the routines that you develop and pick up as you go and read books or you observe other leaders of the things, the things that they do that will help them be good leaders. So they're not reactive to situations, but proactive. Uh, we hear, for example, a lot about these days, there's sort of this idea of stay interviews because we have a lot of resignations um, in, in companies and a lot of turnover. And so companies start to do these stay interviews, which is all about having a conversation with the employee before there's an exit interview, right? So how can we make sure that you're uh, happy and this is working and where you at anyways and so forth? Having recurring stay interviews, for example would be something that you want to put into your leadership leadership system. And I don't just mean mentally, like actually write this down as here is how I do leadership. These are the actual behaviors that my team will observe me doing or asking for. Um, a clear one that's uh, sort of the, the low-hanging fruit is to have regular one-on-one meetings. And I'd usually, I'd say in most cases, uh, a weekly one-on-one is probably best because a lot of things happen <clears throat> in fast-paced organizations. There is reason for having bi-weekly or monthly one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings, but as long as they have to be recurring and they have to be prioritized. Not a whole lot of rescheduling and not a whole lot of canceling and really figuring out how do I run effective one-on-one -on -one meetings that it, you make the most of this quality time together. Feedback conversations, career conversations, um, knowing how to delegate and having a common language around delegating work, uh, as well as what happens or team meetings that we set up, how we do, how we define goals for our team, the behaviors, the behavioral norms, also known as social contracts that we set up and what we're expecting, which is, by the way, even more important for hybrid teams and remote teams because there's such a 
such a vast discrepancy of what people think is expected of them than what actually is expected. And we want to make this explicit. So these are all tools to um, and systems or, or routines that should be plucked into a leadership system, things that you want to do. And so as a new manager, you know, I, I would really encourage you and I hope I provoke some thoughts uh-huh. on this. Going back to our uh-huh. intention. How do you develop your awareness? And how do you make that something that keeps happening? Like you said, this is a journey. We're always learning. How do you learn about yourself and what's working? What isn't? How do you invest time and effort in learning about the people that you work with most closely? What are your leadership principles? What's your leadership philosophy? The more that you know that, the better you'll be able to make decisions in a consistent way, but also the more predictable and certain people will that you lead will be about your leadership, which is something that develops trust. And we all are human social creatures. Mm. We want certainty (laughs) and predictability. Um, And then that last part, write down, what are your leadership systems? What goes into that system? What are the habits and the routines you do on a recurring basis? Mm. This is so good, APS. Okay, what I, I took away so many thoughts from that, but I also love, what you just said about predictability, I feel like that is so true. When you work for somebody who you know their reaction to a certain situation, you're like, okay, Susan's going to re... I'm going to go back to Susan. Susan yes. is going to react <laughs> this way. And, you know, she's not going to be happy, but I know this is going to be the outcome. That, as an improviser who lives in a very unpredictable world most of the time, is comforting. It's almost like, I know you have three children. I have a toddler. It's like he needs to feel the safety and security by having rules and by having, you know, his parenting style be consistent. It's the same with leadership, which is just so fascinating. You just turn so many wheels in my brain with that, the predictability piece of the of your principles. It's like your guiding light, your principles is so interesting to think about and take apart because that is a habit. It's a habit because you're continuously doing that. I love that. Okay. Let me ask you this. If you were to break down five easy steps for somebody listening today to implement as they go from peer to manager, what would that, what would those five steps be? So I'm going to like, you know, what did I say earlier? (laughs) I'm not breaking rules. I'm bending rules. Yes. I like that. I like that. My kids hear me say like, rules don't apply to me. I'm like, wait a second. But they do apply to you. So never mind. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) They do too. Bad teaching. So I'm calling it, let's call it steps and shifts. Some some things need to shift. So one would be, if we go about, we go um, with that setup of five. One would be ask questions. You don't need to know all the answers and you do not have a crystal ball that would tell you what people need from you. So if you're a leader, you likely or a new manager, there's sort of this underlying sense. But sometimes I feel like it's also a bit of a stigma or an expectation that the outside world (laughs) sets, sets upon these new managers that they should now know it's not true. You don't need to know. You can't know. You have to ask. So the first step would be have these conversations. Look at, uh, there are a lot of resources out there, including my website around coaching coaching questions, career-related questions, talking about expectations that they have on you and what's working for them and what isn't and what are their ultimate goals and, and or career 
steps that are Im- somewhat more immediate. Um, so the more questions that you can ask and learn about other people, the better you'll be able to lead because leading is not about you leading your team the way that you want to be led. It's all about you leading your team members the way they need to be and want mm-hmm. to be led. Mm-hmm. So there's in one leadership style, like you got to flex, you got to flex your style. Um, and you will only be able to do that when you know what they actually need. So that yes. would be, that would probably be one. The other one is that you want to ask for help. And this is, again, one of those things, just as, as you should have, you should know it all. You should also not need to ask for help because that would be a sign that you're not ready for it. Asking for help, and that includes signing up for coaching programs or trainings or going to conferences or seminars or having asking for a mentorship in the organization, right? So asking someone to be their mentor or asking for additional stakeholder meetings or meetings with your manager early on or asking your HR department for additional resources and guidelines, asking them what got managers into trouble in the past and what makes managers in this organization great. These kind of questions and asking for help are not a sign of weakness. There are a sign of strength and a sign of high emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And so lean into asking for it to set yourself up for success. We look at a range of, of studies and we see that depending on what research piece we're looking at here, 40 to 60% of new managers fail or underperform in their first two years on the job, which is in essence to say the odds are against you. So when you're yeah. in that new role and it may be an us as Enneagram 3s, we're like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Challenges. I love it. Let's lean into it, right? But we may not realize, and so I speak very much about my own experience here too, may not realize how much of a change this is. This isn't just, oh, promotion and, you know, a little more work and just work a little harder. No. What got you into to that promotion, into that role in the first place is not what's going to get you to the next step, to that next level. And it's not going to be what makes you successful as a leader. It's a complete shift. I was actually talking to a client of mine recently who said, um, we were, he was on my podcast talking about his transition. And I said something like, you know, it's like, you would never step stand on top of a mountain and try to ski down a black uh, slope without ever having had any ski lessons. You wouldn't do that. But then in leadership, we think we can do that. Yeah. And his response is like, yeah, but it's actually that you were an amazing swimmer. And someone said, or you yourself were like, I'm an amazing swimmer. I can totally ski down a black slope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that like, is wait, so what? true. <laughs> can I tell you something? I actually did that once. I'm not joking. I went to my first ski trip and I walked. We, we, my friends were like, we're going to do a black diamond. I'm like, yeah, I totally thought I could do it. I took my skis off on the mountain, <laughs> put them over my shoulder and walked down. You cannot. It is not physically possible <laughs> because you go back to the little like, rope thing with the clown on skis <laughs> and do the bunny slope thing 700 times so okay so <laughs> i digress okay oh God, that's so I, awesome. I got you one and two okay what's three what's three so three would be to hire people who or and develop people who are better than you so yes. you do not need to be the smartest in the room you do not need to have all the answers like i said um so hire people look for people who know things and do things better than you, um, and or develop them if they're not there yet. Develop them with the expectation that they'll be better than you. 
it is no longer your responsibility to deliver your own results. The way that you'll be successful is to deliver results through others. Oh my God, I love that. Or with the help of others, but it's no longer on you. I love that. Yeah, and that actually brings me, what is that, three? That brings me to four, which is to rethink what a productive day looks like. Because one of the struggles that many new managers have is that they think, oh my gosh, I don't even get to my own work until five o'clock because all day I was answering everyone else's questions and I was helping everyone else do their job so that by five o'clock they feel accomplished and then they all go off, do their whatever they're doing at night. And then here I sit at my laptop and I still look at the same to-do list or probably the to-do list from this morning with five additional things on it and I haven't even started my work. And the that the problem here is that they think the way to be productive is the same way they needed to be productive as an IC, individual contributor. But that's very different now. A way to be productive today is to help other people be successful. And so if you if it's five o'clock and all you did all day is helping other people be successful, you achieved your goal. And then the problem is not, oh, there's something wrong with it, or it's the the team members are asking too many questions. Although there's a whole thing around that too, where we can remove some of the dependability. But the problem is more that you still think that you'll have to get through your same to-do list because you want to be productive or feel like you're contributing to the team. That is so true. I'm, I mean, literally, I feel like you're supposed to talk to me today, Ramona. Keep going. Okay. Okay. And you know what? One of those sneaky thoughts is like, if I don't deliver these things, my team members will wonder what I do all day. Like yeah. they will be, they'll be thinking that I don't lift. I'm not helping. Like I'm not lifting my weight. Yeah. Because it's so intangible what I do. I'm just in meetings all day and I get nothing done. And that's probably, you're probably doing it right. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Give us number five because these are so <laughs> awesome. Number five is to, um, so in terms of like the steps or the shifts to be successful as a new manager, number five would be to take charge in setting expectations and giving direction. A lot of new managers are still looking for their to their boss to define expectations and set the direction. What your boss is going to look for and senior leaders in your organizations are likely, if I had to make a guess here, is are likely looking to you to start taking the lead, not just to manage, but to take the lead. And that in- includes this helping shape the strategic efforts or the strategic plan of your team contributing to the the goal setting process and the strategic outlook or planning process for the entire department to uh, elevate information from ground up, right? So that people have the information that you see and your team observes or gathers. It also means that then you want to set direction uh, and, and influence that upwards, but also be really clear and communicate that downwards and downwards, I speak about the hierarchical structure here. And also get really clear on the expectations that you're setting for your team. Everyone on your team should have a hundred percent clarity, or aiming for that, hundred percent clarity on what is expected for them to de- to be considered successful in their role. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
keep going, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how often I talk to people and I say, so by the end of the year, how will you know if you were successful and not just how you feel about it, but how will you know that your manager is going to assess you as having been successful in your role? And I get blank stares back. It's like, uh, I actually don't know. It's like, okay, mm. you got to know. I love that. And even if you're not in a revenue producing role or there needs to be some type of tangible metric to allow success, and, and I guess not even metric or some type of tangible thing, outcome, because I do think that that's where the, I've been in a role myself prior to being in Improve It, where there was, the goal was get new business. Okay, well, how much new business? What is my goal? What is my, there were no goals. It was just bring in what you can. And that was the hardest job I ever had because I did not know what success looked like. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. That is special. Okay. I love this. I'm writing this down. What does success look like? These are my notes. I like to like remember what you say because this is so tangible. I mean, this is truly these thoughts, these shifts are imperative if you want to go from the the cold water, which I love this analogy, the cold water to this box full of water. And did I say that right? Did I mess it up? Did I botch it? Probably. But I feel like- um, (laughs) I get you though, yes. But you feel, you know, and I think that um, sometimes jumping, getting outside of our box, which is what we use improv for, is hard. It feels uncomfortable. It feels icky. But then once we start playing in this other box and developing our skills in this other box, we're going to outgrow that and have to jump to another one. So it's just getting moving from box to box continuously and embracing that journey, I think, is another key part of all this is really like allowing yourself as a human being to understand that transitions are a part of life. And like I see this plant behind you, we're all, we all start with our roots, but then we have to grow. And it's just really cool, the work that you do, how transformative it is when you break it down. When you say, when I hear the word leadership, I'm like, yeah, leadership. And that's what we teach on. But there's so much that goes into it. There's so many tools, there's toolkits. And I really love what you shared with us today. I wanna ask you this very important question because they had improve it. We say your it could be anything. It could be what is your purpose? What's your, what are you here to do? So Ramona, what is your it? Oh my gosh. Uh, I want to turn like, thank God it's Friday to thank God it's Monday. I love weekends. Don't get me wrong. Right. I love all the things that come at weekends. We're in a time where every one of us has this potential or has this opportunity to bring our talents and strength to a workplace, to be creative and innovative. And there are a range of different jobs out there for us to lean into, right? In the past, if you think even about, you know, Mrs. Smith, like, well, she was, you know, do you know where she's coming from? Or, you know, my family's generation was like a generation of baker, you know, had a bakery and a restaurant. It's like this, this was generation after generation. And that's just what you did. But today we can choose in many ways and define and shape how what we do day in and day out and when we feel that we can have a contribution an impact on other people on businesses but we feel valued and respected for what we bring to the table 
And there isn't any qualifier in that, just what the reason with the resources and talents that we have. And we can create workplaces where people do feel valued and respected and cared for. I think that's when, when we as humans thrive at a whole different level. And so I want to create and be part of this mission to create workplaces where people love to love to work and be work with leaders they love to work with and, and be part of teams that they love and, and feel like they're contributing in a meaningful way. I love that. And that's, that's my Oprah voice. Ah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's so true. That's what we love to say here and improve it. That it of yours is so, we're so similar, Ramona. I love this. I feel like we were destined to meet on the podcast airwaves. I feel like this was supposed Yay. to happen. Yeah, so me too. Tell, tell the Improve It peeps where they can find you, what they need to do if they want more Ramona Shaw. What do they do? Yeah, so I um, have a book that came out earlier this year, 2022, and it's called The Confident and Competent New Manager, How to Rapidly Rise to Success in Your First Leadership Role. That's available on Amazon. That'll probably be the first place to go. A second place would be uh, my website, RamonaShaw.com, or I'm also on LinkedIn. Yay! And you have a podcast as well. I have a podcast as well. Yay! Yes. And tell them, tell them the podcast name. It's called The Manager Track. Yes. And we will link to all these things in the show notes. I am so thrilled we had you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. And I mean, you've literally changed my day. I have so many things that I want to think about. I know Improve It peeps are walking away just with so many tangible tips, which is so important. So thank you for helping us lean into our power. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Ramona, what I do is like, I'm going to have to sign up for an improv class. So, yes! so like, embracing the fail. Yeah. Fail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, this just made my day. Okay. Lives have changed. Things have changed. I'm so grateful to have you on this show and this won't be the last time. Okay. We'll talk yes, again soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, I bet you just had to turn your volume down, didn't you? I'm so sorry. No, I'm not. I am on fire. That episode was so tangible. I could have talked to Ramona for hours. Let me break this down for you. The five easy steps. Number one, ask questions. Ask people what do they want long-term, their ultimate goals. Number two, ask for help. This includes coaches, trainings, uh, conferences. Number three, Hire people and develop them better than you and develop them that they will be better than you with that mindset. That blew my mind and that is so accurate. So yes. Number four, rethink what a productive day looks like. And number five, take charge in setting expectations. (sighs) I love that. So take those five steps if you are somebody transitioning or if you're a leader who is currently leading a team and really put them into practice. What I really took away from this episode is redefining what success looks like not only for you, but for the people that you lead. So making sure that each person on your team has a clear path to what success looks like for them long-term, but year over year is a great way to break that down. So that's your tangible. Make sure that every direct report that you lead 
has an idea of what success looks like in their role. And if it's not a role with revenue generation or a super high metric driven role, find some qualitative way to make sure that this person knows what success looks like and then celebrate the crap out of that success when they achieve it. You know what I'm going to say and prove it, peeps? Keep on failing, keep improving because the world needs that very special it that only you can bring. I'll see you next week. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Improve It. I am so happy you are along for the ride. If you enjoyed this show, head on over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Now, if you're really feeling today's show and you've improved it even just a little bit, please take a screenshot and tag me at Keeping It Real Deal on Instagram and share it in your stories. I'll see you next week, but I I want to leave you with this thought. What did you improve today and how will that help your future successful self? Think about it. I am rooting for you and the world needs that special it that only you can bring. See you next time.